You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. Everybody doing all right? Love you and so glad that you're with us today. We've had quite the week of winter weather around here, and uh, our teams have done an incredible job getting our facility ready so that you could come. And I just want to remind you that we do provide a wonderful valet service for parking, and uh, we have our men ready on Sundays like this so that you can pull right into the drive through and someone can help you to park your car uh, the parking lot can be a little slick, and, and, and I just want all of you to know that's available, no matter what your age is. Um, I said in the text message for seniors, and then, you know, there's always one or two smart Alex in every church. And uh, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, we'll park your car if you need us to. But we want to make sure that no one has any uh, problems out there in the parking lot, so just be very careful uh, again, we appreciate all of those that have been working to help us. They were here at 5 o'clock this morning, uh, making sure that everything was ready uh, for your, uh, your arrival. As Pastor Dustin said a moment ago, we are excited to launch our small groups, and next Sunday going to be a, uh, a key day for us. We're going to do a launch party right at the end of the service, uh, and someone will be explaining how we're going to do that. But it's going to be a lot of fun out in the commons area. Each of the small group leaders will have a table and uh, they'll be there to answer questions and also to feed you. Each group leader is going to help feed you next Sunday. So you hang around for that. Stay as long as you want to stay. Uh, we are gonna, that'll be another, another opportunity for you to sign up for a group uh, if you've not already signed up. So here are the last four groups uh, that we have that we are offering. So we've been doing this every week. Uh, but we have four more groups that we're going to announce today. Uh, John and Karen Masaccio, where are you at? Stand up for me if you would. They're going to be hosting a group uh, that they're calling Apologetics. Um, and this is really about our convictions, knowing what we believe, knowing how to live in a world uh, that is not accustomed to talking about faith uh, and the opportunity with friends around food and fellowship uh, to get a, a handle on that and, and to know the, penance, the tenets of our faith it's going to be a great group. John and Karen are elders in our church. They'll do a tremendous job. Uh, Vanessa Bendelewski, uh, one of the newer ladies in our church, is doing for women a group called the Deborah Mantle. They're going to be studying this book during this semester. Uh, it says, insights that empower women to step into full kingdom authority. I love this phrase, to redirect culture, to restore broken families, shape a legacy uh, four generations. And, Pat, and men, if you're having trouble with your wife, send them to Vanessa's class. She'll get them all straightened out and uh, that kind of thing. It's going to be a, a fantastic deal. And then her husband, Rich. Rich, if you'll stand just a moment so one can kind of see you. Uh, Rich is going to be doing a men's group. And uh, someone help me. First and third, first and third Saturdays uh, of the month, uh, it's going to be called Kingdom Men Rising. Uh, they're going to be using the curriculum of Pastor Tony Evans for, for this. And so, uh, men, if you'd like to be a part of, of that Bible study uh, that uh, Rich is going to have, they'll have more information at the booth out there about locations and times 
uh, for that particular group. And then on the second and fourth sun, uh, Saturdays, Shane Jones, Joe George, and myself are going to be hosting men's breakfasts. We'll have more details about that in a few days, but there'll be two different locations on the two different Saturdays uh, so that men, you'll have an opportunity to choose the one that is nearest and most convenient to you. Uh, and we'll do, we'll break bread together and have fellowship together. And then it'll be, you can go on your way on Saturday and do whatever you need to do for that day. So these are the groups that, uh, Todd Daughtery's group, uh, Todd, where are you at? Todd has a group that we're offering this year called Next Steps, uh, and it is for those individuals working their way through addiction recovery. And uh, this is something that Lake Erie has done for many years, and we're so thankful. Uh, they have a video curriculum that they use, and they meet here at the church. You can get more information on that uh, in the back there. So again, these groups are available. They'll be starting the 1st of February. They will go through the month of May. We'll take the summer off. We'll start another group of uh, groups uh, in August that will go through November. And we're excited about this opportunity. Uh, we're believing for 30% of the adults in our church uh, to be a part of a group in this first semester. And we're well on our way to those numbers. So thank you uh, for supporting them so very, very much. So let me just take a quick second here. And uh, introduce all the group leaders. Since this is the last time we'll do this, we'll have them all stand uh, together. Diana George, which is doing our grief share. Diana, will you stand? Deborah Douglas, Tracy Vest, Stella Lamas, Jason and Susan Atkins, Todd Daughtery, Billy and Heather Walter, Jason and Erica Shaw, Shelly Isaacs, Shane Jones, Joe George, Rich and Vanessa Bendelewski, and John and Karen Masaccio. Now would you take, yes, that's all right, that's all right. This is a, a venture. I think we forgot one group, Donna Link. Yes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't have that one on my list and I apologize. So Donna, would you stand for me right there? We'll be announcing that one next Sunday. I'll, I'll get the information. Would you stand, where's Donna? There you are. I apologize, Donna. Thank you, Pastor Jerome, for catching that. I did not have it on my, on my list here. It's, it's, remain standing, please, all of you, just a moment. I'm sorry. When I came to Lake Erie in 2019, one of the things that I recognized, because, you know, years ago we used to do Sunday school. You'd come at 9 o'clock or 8.30 and we'd do a Sunday school class. Everybody went to an age-graded class and uh, we did discipleship in that setting. Uh, and then uh, after that, we kind of moved forward in some other areas. We used to have a thing on Wednesday night called Family Training Hour. And we would divide up our church according to ages, and we would have, um, we would have training there, age-graded curriculum training. And then we kind of moved away from that to other things, and we went to more of a worship environment. And everything was built around collective worship, bringing everybody together. And we got away from Sunday school. We got away from family training hour and those kind of things. This is an opportunity for us to make a, a move in the area of restoring discipleship as a fundamental for our church. And in these groups, we're going to be teaching the word of God and we're going to be engaging uh, with people where they are. 
doing life together in these environments. And so here's what I want you to do. Right in your seat, would you just stretch your hands toward these precious people who have stepped forward to say, I want to be a part of that. I want to help. Stretch your hands toward them right now and let's pray together over them for the success of what they're trying to do for the Lord and for our church. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you, Lord, for faithful men and women who have stepped forward and accepted the responsibility and the challenge to do the work of ministry. And Father, we just ask you now for grace and success and favor, for openness, Lord, for lives that are going to be touched, people that are going to be impacted by the glory and the power of God that will be present. God, I just pray for deep relationships and for understanding and the anointing of your presence and your power on all that is being done. And Father, we are careful to give glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated. Miss Donna, I am so sorry that I overlooked you on my list. Pray for me. I've never made a mistake like that in my life, so don't pray for me. We're in the middle of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I'm very thankful to all of you. It makes such a difference when we lean into God's presence. And in this final week, let's all press forward. If you haven't started, start this week. Join us. Be a part of doing something that will uh, cause you to draw nearer, closer uh, to the Lord. Next Sunday, Shelly Isaacs is going to be preaching for us. Once a year, Shelly and I take the time to talk with you about what we believe God is saying to us and the direction for the coming year. We always look forward to that, and uh, I'm looking forward to sharing the opportunity to speak with her next, next Sunday. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, I thank you for this week and what you have done by your presence in all of us. We truly have a desire this morning, Lord, to draw near to you. We pray, Holy Father, that you will in turn, as you promised, draw near to us speak to us today Lord by your word allow your word to be strong in our heart help us to know that you are reaching toward us and that as we invest ourselves as we connect ourselves to your word to your presence that you do miracles and wonders in our midst and we are careful Lord for you to receive all glory in Jesus name amen Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Just hold it there for just a moment. Over the past two weeks, Pastor Dustin and I have been looking at three great passages in the scriptures regarding prayer. Week one, we looked at Philippians chapter 4 where Paul said, Don't worry, pray about everything, give God thanks. For what he has done. Last week, Pastor Dustin spoke to us out of Acts chapter 12, the story concerning Peter being arrested and the church praying consistently for him and the miracle of his uh, deliverance. And this morning, 
I choose to conclude this short series on prayer by bringing us to one of the foundational passages of prayer in the Bible. If you are a student of the Bible, if you frequently read the Bible, <coughs> you will know this passage, some of you will know it by heart. It is one of the great foundational scriptures regarding prayer. So I'm asking you to stand and we're going to read it right off of the screen or from your Bible or your device if you have it. And I want you to read it out loud with me please. Everybody in the room, those of you online, as you see it on the screen, read it out loud with us. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and restore their lands. Let's read it again. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven will forgive their sin and restore their land. Okay, you can be seated. The context of 2 Chronicles is important to understand this verse and apply it appropriately. Because what we are reading, in fact, is God's response to the prayer of dedication that was prayed in the newly constructed temple. Now if you go back and just look a few chapters back, you discover that David, who was king over Israel, had a desire to build God a great temple. He talked about his own house. He said, here I live in this amazing house, this palace, and yet the Ark of the Covenant and your glory is not housed in a house. I'm going to build you a great house. And God said, no. You have shed too much blood. You've been a warrior and there's been too much violence. But your son Solomon will build that house. And so when Solomon became king, he set about to build the temple that he and his father planned to build. And when the work was finished, they had a service of dedication. They brought, brought the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of God's presence and they brought it into this temple and placed it in the Holy of Holies. They brought all the other consecrated items which had come with them through the wilderness and were a part of their spiritual heritage and they placed them in this temple. They sang songs of praise to the Lord. They brought incredible offerings and laid it, it, it uh, at the feet of the priest and they gave unto the Lord... It was a week of celebration. The Bible says in chapter 5, verse 13, this will be on the screen, at the moment of this worship experience as they were singing, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not continue their service because of the cloud for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple like a fog. The glory of the Lord filled the place where they were and they were unable to continue their ministry service because of the presence of the Lord. Now, we don't 
We don't worship in temples anymore, but we do worship together collectively. And I can tell you there have been times in my experience when the presence and the glory of the Lord was so strong, you couldn't do anything but just worship Him. That's what happened here in this place. King Solomon stood up and then prayed a prayer of dedication. You can read that in chapters 5 and 6. Basically, that prayer boiled down to two things. Number one, he asked God to dwell with his people and to honor the promises that had been made to restore the people and redeem the land from the plagues and famine. So in other words, he said to God, when the people come to this place and when they pray to you and ask you to forgive them and when famine and plagues have ravaged the land and they come and ask you to restore the land, I pray that you will hear the prayer that is prayed in this place. He further went on to pray that God would forgive the people of their sins. That when they came to the temple and they would pray for forgiveness of sins, that God would hear that prayer and He would forgive them. And that the enemies of Israel would be defeated because of the prayers the people had prayed in that temple. Now, what I want you to notice before I go further is that all of this is capsuled inside the idea that the people would come to the temple to pray. That they would come to the place where they would pray to God and Solomon says, when they do, I ask you to answer those prayers. Now the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, right before... The scripture that we read together, here's what the Bible says. When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burnt up the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. And then God said, I have heard your prayer, 2 Chronicles 7, 12-16. I've heard your prayer, have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifice. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven will forgive their sin and restore their land. My eyes will be open, my ears attentive to every prayer that is prayed in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. You might ask the question, what has all that got to do with me? I don't, I don't live in Israel. I don't, I don't have a 
Solomon's temple that I'm going to to pray. I pray at home or I pray in my car or I pray when I'm at church or whatever the case may be. The point that I want you to understand here at the beginning is that God is saying to us that if we commit ourselves to pray, He will hear us. Now, now think about what I just said. A God who put the stars in the heavens knows every person on the earth even to the point the Bible said that He knows the number of hair that are on your head. This God who is so deeply and intricately involved in everything that happens on planet earth says this. If you'll pray, I'll hear you. And I will respond to what you ask for. I, it will be dear to me that you will talk to me and communicate with me. Prayer is without a doubt one of the greatest gifts that we have as a believer. To be able to talk to God. I don't have the privilege today to talk to the President of the United States. I, I don't have his number. I don't have the privilege to talk to the, the person who is the General Secretary of the United Nations. I, I don't have access to him. I, I don't actually have the privilege to talk to anybody that doesn't want me to talk to them. But God said, I'll give you access to me. You'll always be able to reach me. It might be three in the morning and you can't get the 800 number where you call the doctor, but you can get me. You may not be able to get a hold of a bondsman or a lawyer, but you can get me. No matter where you are, what you're involved in, you will always be able to talk to me. I said early on a couple weeks ago that, that we have a tendency to make prayer so complex, so so complicated. But we shouldn't do that because prayer is just simple conversation. It's just dialogue. It's just communicating. It's letting you tell God what you want to tell Him and allowing Him to speak into your own heart the things that He wants you to know. And it's so empowering to be able to talk to Him. As I was preparing for these messages, I... I came to this realization that there has always been a tension between God and His people. You go throughout the Scriptures and you see this tension, this struggle between what God wants from us and what we are willing to do in response to what God wants. How our silly pride and self-righteousness gets in the way of what it is that God wants to do and how God wants to bless us and and we ourselves become the obstacle that has to be overcome for God to help us to get what we need. How many of you this morning are honest and say, I like getting my way? The rest of you are lying. You like getting your way, it's our nature. And it creates a tension at times. And I'll, I'm going to preach about this next month. And I hope that you'll be here to hear it because it's a, it's a word from the Lord about helping us to understand that all God wants is us to open up the door and get out of the way so that He can bless us. He wants to bless us. There is this 
cyclic relationship that God has with us. And it's the same relationship that he's had with people all along. Go through the Bible. You follow this story. People lean into God. They reach out to God and he responds. And because they reach out to him, he blesses them. And they flourish. Their lives are good. Their families are good. Their health is good. Everything is good. And then they forget about God. And they go on about their way. And even though God tries, they just, they're not interested now. Things are too good. And then they go through another crisis. And they run back to God. And they want God to help them. And God says, I'll help you. And he helps them. And then they forget him. And it's over and over and over. And the fact of the matter is that sometimes the reason things happen in your life is because God has to use those hardships to get you to recognize that you've got to come back to Him. It may not land softly in your ears, but for some of you, if you didn't have some troubles, you'd never pray. You only pray because you have hardships. Because you find yourself in struggle. You don't pray when things are going well. And so when things happen, and that's what Solomon is saying, when people get into trouble and they come running to you, God, and they want your help, please hear them. And he said, I will. I will hear them. I will respond to their prayers. And I'm telling every person that's hearing me right now that when you call on the name of the Lord, he will hear you. You will know that he is there and that he is able and he wants to help you. He wants to bless you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God wants to bless you. So I want you to see the passage in the remaining time that I have in three very simple movements. The problem, the process, and the promise. Here's the problem. Take your right hand, put your finger up just like this right here, hold it up so I can see it. Okay, all right, let's go. It's called your pointer finger. Point it right at your chest. That's the problem. That's the problem. The problem in your life and your relationship to God is you. You are the problem. Notice what he says. The thing that stands between you and the full blessings that God promised. If my people will humble themselves and pray. Nobody, nobody is keeping God from blessing you except you. Nobody has that power. Nobody has that ability. What hinders revival and renewal? God says, my people. What hinders America from revival? God says, my people. What causes the heavens to be shut up? God says, my people. It's me. The old timers used to say, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I'm the one that needs it. And I say to you this morning that you should understand this. God wants to bless you. He wants to minister to your needs. He wants to help you figure out the way to resolve the problems in your marriage, with your kids, with your finances, with your health. He wants to bless you. 
But to get there, you have to be willing to surrender yourself and be obedient unto the Lord. In fact, I will tell you that there is absolutely nothing that God values more than your obedience. There's nothing that you can do that is more valuable to God in your relationship than surrender. Surrender and do His will. The starting point is a prayer of surrender and a commitment to obey God in your life. What about the process? It's right in front of us there, isn't it? It's a four-step movement. He said, if my people will humble themselves and pray. The word humble there is a word of like giving up, letting go, quit trying to commandeer the journey. It's the kind of brokenness that says, I can't do anything without God. My first church was in High Point, North Carolina. February of 1980, I went there to that church and as a young, I mean, I'd been raised in a parsonage. My dad had been a pastor my whole life, but I'd never been the pastor. And it didn't take me very long to realize then I was in way over my head. And as I was praying this morning, I went back in my mind and I remembered walking downstairs in that church and going into a Sunday school room on that hallway and kneeling in front of a, a, a straw chair, cane bottom chair, and telling God, I am nothing without you. All of my ability, all of my skills, all of my strength is nothing without the Lord. And there is none of us in this room that can do life and manage life and get through life without the help of the Lord. And what it requires is a humility that accepts the fact that we will be nothing without Him. God honors that. You see, I have a very rich heritage in the faith and I'm so proud of that, but I'm just telling you, I was a zero when He found me. And the moment that I become vain, the moment that you and I become self-exalted, the moment that we puff ourselves up with pride and we start saying, this is what we've done, this is what we're doing, we go back to zero because he withdraws his anointing from our life. He withdraws his anointing from our church and we can't do anything here without the Lord. We can't do anything without the Lord. We'll never be able to accomplish the mission of Christ without the Lord's help. And it requires us to be a people that are broken and humble. He said, if my people will humble themselves. And he says, if they will pray. Now the word pray here is a shameless acknowledgement of personal sin and a plea for God's mercy. So it's not some kind of formal, you know, kind of stiff, prayer it's that kind of praying you ever, ever been praying when you just kind of lost yourself and you just like 
snotted all over the place and cried all over the place and just lost yourself in the moment of prayer just saying to God, yeah, I need you, I've got to have you in my life, that complete abandon of yourself. That's what he's saying. Humble yourselves and then throw yourself at me with this understanding that you've got to have my help. Humble yourself and pray. And then thirdly, He says, I want you to pray, but I want you to do more than that. I want you to seek after me. Because you know, there are sometimes I don't actually know how to pray for what I need. There are times when I get down to pray and I'm really at a loss as to what to say. I, I will, in my honesty, I will say to God, God, I don't even know what to say to you here. I don't even know how to put into words. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. It happened to me the other night. I was sitting in my recliner at my house and I was watching a television program that I enjoy watching. And there was this advertisement of debauchery and sin and wickedness. Every commercial was the same commercial. You ever notice that? It wasn't like that was one of six commercials. That, no, no, they ran that commercial over and over and over and then went back to the program when they went to the next commercial break. It was the same commercial. And it just offended me so badly. I said to God, how do you want me to pray about that? Because there's a part of me that wants to say, God, let's just clean that out. Let's just kill those people and get rid of them. Maybe, maybe you don't want your pastor praying like that, but let's just kill them and tell God they died. Because it's so offensive to me, and I know it's offensive to God. How do you want me to pray? And as I sat there and I began to try to form words that would, I thought would fit the moment, I find myself praying, God, please, please let somebody bring the gospel to them. Praise God, let somebody come to them and, and tell them about Jesus. I remember the story of a friend of mine, I won't call his name because it's not one of those name-dropping kind of moments. That's not the point I'm trying to say. But this is a man who is very popular, very well-known in the world. And I'm not sure why I got to know him in that season, but I did. And we were driving the car one day and he told me, he said, I was sitting in my living room in California and he said, Whitney Houston came up on the screen and she began to sing. And by that time, the word about her and Bobby Brown and all the things that had gone on in her life, the drug abuse, the, the things that had happened, he said, there was a girl trying to sing. Her voice was a shell of what it used to be. And he said, I was so moved by the presence of God and I just fell in that room and I said, God, please let somebody bring the gospel to Whitney Houston. Let somebody find her. That somebody that she knows, somebody that she knows that knows Jesus. It, it's that element where, where, where the writer says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek for me, seek after it, seek after the things of the kingdom, talk to God about the things that matter, seek after his presence and his glory. Because when we do, God begins to move. And that seeking is a, 
is a tenacious word. It's a, I'm not giving up. I'm not turning loose to this. I'm not letting this go. I'm not going to allow this moment to pass by just throwing a prayer out there and moving on. It's too important. My children are too important for them to be lost in eternity. My family's too important to just pass it by with some simple little prayer. It's too important that we need to have your presence in our, in our midst, in our lives, in my life. I'm not letting this pass. I'm going to seek after the Lord. And the prophet said, when you do, God said, when you do that kind of seeking, you will find me. You don't pray that kind of prayer long without God showing up. Because you are seeking after him. You are reaching out to him. You are reaching forward with an aggressive. It's like Jacob praying with that angel, wrestling with that angel. And the angel said, I need to go. He said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not turning loose of this moment until we break through. I'm going to keep praying and talking and, and, and pleading with you until something happens. He said, humble yourselves, pray, seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. And I say this today with the greatest of compassion. But as your pastor, if there has ever been an hour when you need to get serious about getting sin out of your life, that day is today. You may not even realize what's happening to you, but by allowing little sins to creep into your life, you are losing the anointing of God over your life. Choices and decisions that we make. I was with some of the men in our church this week and we were talking about how you have to guard, you have to become a gatekeeper in your house to protect yourself because the enemy just wants to slide things in. He wants to slip things in because he knows when sin enters our heart, God's anointing is going away. So for that reason, people play church. They don't have any anointing because they've never gotten sin out of their lives. Allowing things to happen, allowing things to come into your house, allowing things to take place. What you don't realize is that you are opening the door for the enemy to take God's anointing away from your life. And you have to deal with the sin issue. You have to pray that prayer consistently. Create a clean heart in me, O oh God. Search me and know me today. Know if there's any wicked way in me. Cleanse me and make me righteous in your eyes. Allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse me and make me holy. And if that doesn't fit in your theology, please come and find me. Because it's the way I live. I don't habitually sin. I don't set out to sin, but I am always guarding and asking God to protect me and search me in order that if anything slips into my life, if anything comes into my life, help me to see it and sense it so that nothing robs me of the presence and the anointing of God because I want Him in my life. I want God to work in my life. I want God to work in this church. And the only way God does that is if we get the sin out of God said, you want me to hear you when you pray? Turn from your wicked ways. The word turn there is the same word that we use for repent. And it literally means a turning in an opposite direction. What I fear for some people is that they want just enough of Jesus 
to deal with their guilt and shame, but they don't want a new life. And you can't have it both ways. You can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. You have to be willing to step away from the world. You've got to get sin out of your life in order to allow God to work in you the way He wants. And then He finishes by giving you this promise. If you do that, if you humble yourselves, you pray, you seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, He said three things are going to happen. Number one, there'll be a divine visitation in your life because I will hear from heaven. I'll hear you and I will visit you. I love that passage in Exodus when Moses is standing there by the burning bush and he says to Moses, he said, I've heard the the cries of my people. I've seen their afflictions and I've come down to do something about it. That's the kind of God I serve. That's the kind of God you serve. A God who is deeply engaged that when we open up the door and we allow our hearts to be open and surrender to God, He says, I'm coming to fix the problem. I'm coming to respond. I feel God's presence in this room. I'm coming to fix your problem. I'm coming to straighten out your marriage. I'm coming to help you get better because you have surrendered yourself to me. I will hear from heaven. I'm going to hear from heaven. There'll be a divine visitation of God at your house. There'll be a divine visitation of God in your life. I will hear from heaven. Then what did he say? I will forgive your sin. I had the privilege this week to visit with some precious people who had questions. They've been coming to Lake Erie now for a while and they had questions about the Bible. And I sat with them and we had a wonderful time. One of the questions that came up was about forgiveness. And I love talking about what it means to be forgiven because the devil is the biggest liar I know. Are you awake out there? The devil is the biggest liar you know. And he tells you you're not forgiven. You're not forgiven. Can I just tell you this? He said, if we confess our sin, in other words, we tell God we are sorry. I am sorry that I'm a sinner. If we confess I am a sinner... And I'm sorry for my sins. He said, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive. Didn't say he is faithful to consider forgiving you. No, he said, if you confess your sins, you say you're sorry, you acknowledge your sinful state, I will forgive your sin. Every person in this room can be forgiven. No matter what you've done, no matter how it came to pass, no matter what what was involved, who was involved, you can be forgiven. And if you've offended someone, you should make it right by telling them you're sorry and asking for forgiveness. 
And if the question comes up about the fact whether or not they will forgive you, you don't have to have their acknowledgement of that in order for you to be clean. You just tell God, I'm sorry. You tell the person you offended, I'm sorry. And mean it. And God says, that's good for me right there. I will forgive. Said, I'll never forget. It's been a long time ago. A number of years ago, Billy Walter and I were sitting in a room with a guy one time who wanted to be saved. And we were about to pray. And I told him, I said, listen, the moment you tell God you're sorry, he's going to forgive you. And he looked at Billy and me and he said, you mean everything? Billy said, everything. You mean everything I've ever done? Everything you've ever done. That's the power of Calvary's cross to be completely and totally forgiven and to walk away from that moment as if there had never been a sin in your life. Forgiven. Anybody glad to be saved this morning? I just feel God's presence all over me today. And if you're wondering, I'm six minutes and 57, 57 minutes over. Six, six minutes, 57 seconds over. I'm taking the extra time Dustin did not take last week. Here's the wrap. Here's the wrap. He said, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sin. I'll heal the land. I wish I had more time to talk about what it means in God's economy to restore the land. But he told them on one occasion, he said, listen, I'm going to give you back what was taken from you. I'm going to give you back what the canker worm stole away from you in your harvest. I'm going to give you back the things the devil took away from you. And I know the devil doesn't like that kind of talking, but I'm telling you, God keeps a record. He knows what happened to you. He knows what people did. And God said, I promise you, you do it my way and I will give you back what was taken away from you. I will restore the land. I will heal the land. I'll do it because you were willing. You were willing to go my way. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Now we invite you to visit one of our services soon. For more information, please visit us at lakeeriechurch.com.